This evening we're looking at Psalm 91, the whole psalm, verses 1 through to 16. The title of my sermon is The Shadow of the Almighty. We're going to look at this psalm, and uh, the Psalm 91, and the writer, as you may have noticed, is not named. The heading there, there's no mention of the penman, although that hasn't stopped various scholars and Bible commentators from suggesting that it was perhaps written by Moses, and they say that because the psalm immediately before it, Psalm 90, is a psalm of Moses. Others say David is the writer of Psalm 91, and they they see it as being in David's style. And it is quite probable that, that it is David who wrote it, when you consider that he wrote a good half of all the Psalms. And also, to say that David wrote this psalm would be in agreement with the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, which ascribes Psalm 91 to David. Suffice to say that whoever wrote Psalm 91, the fact of the matter is that the Word of God is, it is the Word of God, the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. What is indisputable is that Psalm 91 sets forth the safety of the one who is under divine protection. As Luther said, the psalmist highly exalts faith in God and shows that it is an invincible strength against all evils and against all the gates of hell. As to who the one who is under divine protection is in this psalm, It certainly applies to the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly sojourn. And also it applies to all whose trust is in Jesus and who are therefore to be found in Jesus. As part of the Syriac version of the Bible has in its title, spiritually it is called the victory of the Messiah and of everyone that is perfected by him. As such, there is much in Psalm 91 with which to strengthen, to fortify the faith of all of you who belong to Jesus and who are safe and secure in his hand and in the hand of your loving Heavenly Father. But more about that in a short while. Let's have a look again at verses 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. John Gill takes the secret place of the Most High to mean the bosom of the Father. Certainly, to be found in the bosom of the Father is tantamount to being under the shadow of the Almighty, under his loving and protective care, and any attack on the on the person who has refuge in such a place is an attack on God. Primarily, the Lord Jesus Christ 
is in the bosom of the Father. As the Apostle testifies in John chapter 1 and verse 18, where he said, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Also, all of you who belong to Jesus, who are yoked to him, who are washed in his blood and covered in his robe of righteousness, who are members of his body, who are living stones in the spiritual temple of which Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and who, like Moses, whom God placed in the cleft of a rock, have been placed in Christ the rock. You are in the bosom of your loving Heavenly Father, whose love for you is an everlasting love and is best seen at the cross, where he laid upon his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of your sin. As someone who is in Christ and Christ in you, you have every reason to say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. You are in a place of eternal security, eternal safety in both your Father and in your Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus, the Good Shepherd, said in John chapter 10, verse 27 through to 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's move on to verses 3 and 4. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You may have noticed a change in pronouns with the one who is being addressed being referred to as thee. In other words, you singular. Perhaps the psalmist is now speaking to his own soul. And that wouldn't be at all surprising if it is indeed David who can be heard speaking to himself in Psalm 103, where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. In these verses, the snare of the fowler refers to the wicked schemes of the prince of this world, the devil, who is the tempter, and the noisome pestilence refers to deadly plagues. In verse 4 we see a picture of how the Lord delivers those of you who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And what a picture that is. In loving condescension, God, for, for, whom, God, uh, for whom heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool, compares himself to a female bird 
overspreading and covering her young with her wings. We can only imagine just how much the Most High spread his feathers over the Lord Jesus Christ right from the very moment that Mary conceived him and then throughout her pregnancy. Also there was his birth, there was his exile in Egypt as an infant when Herod wanted him dead, not forgetting those times when the Jews sought to destroy him, even taking him taking him to the brow of a hill in order to throw him over the cliff or taking up stones to cast at him. All of those attempts to destroy Jesus failed and they failed because it was not his time to die. As for all of you who belong to Jesus, be in no doubt at all You would depart from Jesus in an instant if it were not for the fact that the Most High covers you with his feathers, protecting you from this wicked world, the prince of this world, and protecting you from your own sinful self. Be very thankful that you have a great heavenly high priest who intercedes for you, saying to his father, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. And you have Jesus himself, who said to the unbelieving Jewish nation, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, And ye would not. The Jewish nation forsook God and broke the covenant that God had with them. And eventually their place of worship, the temple and Jerusalem itself were destroyed. However, all of you whose faith is in Jesus, Jesus who is the mediator and surety of a better covenant are safe in his mighty hand and you are safe under his wings. As Thomas Watson said, Christ's wings are both for healing and for hiding, for curing and for securing us. The devil and his instruments would soon devour the servants of God if he did not set an invincible guard about them and cover them with the golden feathers of his protection. Every moment of every day, you are covered with the protective wings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I've already said, you're safe in his hand, and safe in the hand of your loving Heavenly Father. Verses 5 through to 9. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. These verses describe 
the powers of darkness and any other evil and hostile entities that may attack anyone and everyone. Not just the Christian, but anyone in this world. And they include manifestations of God's displeasure as well. And his judgment on a world that is in rebellion against him. The man whose refuge is in the, is, whose refuge is in the most high has absolutely no reason to fear such things. Verse seven really is something in that it makes huge claims and gives massive assurances that you'll be safe, dear Christian, even if all around you are dropping like flies because of some calamity or other. How are we to understand that? The fact of the matter is that you, dear Christian, will only ever suffer such as God, your refuge, permits, and you will only die at his appointed time, as was clearly demonstrated with Satan's attacks on Job in the Old Testament. The devil could do nothing to Job except the Lord permitted it. Therefore, when you die, perhaps in some terrible and seemingly tragic way, and perhaps not, it will be to your gain And it will be an answer to your saviour's high priestly petition to his father and to your father. I refer to the petition in John chapter 17 verse 24. You've heard me say this, that verse time and again. Jesus said, Father, I will that they also, whom thou has given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So when you do die, and whatever the circumstances of your death, you can see it as being uh, a fulfilment, an answer to that petition of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 17, verse 24, when you go to be with Jesus and you behold his beautiful face, Appreciate that the prayer came from Jesus, whose face was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men, and who was wounded and put to death, bearing the sins of all he came to save. Even so, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. All of you who abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you too endure the suffering and the pain that is all part of living in a body of sin, in a world of sin, and you do so that is um, for the joy that is set before you. The joy of one day having your faith replaced by sight, when at last your Saviour you will see. Verses 10 through to 13. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample 
under feet. In the gospel books, there's quite a lot of demonic activity. I don't know if you've noticed that. The Lord Jesus Christ cast out evil spirits. He gave his apostles power to do likewise. Evil men who did the lusts of their father, the devil, even had the blasphemous audacity to accuse the Son of God of being demon-possessed. The Apostle Paul, speaking about the reality and the extent of demonic activity in the world, said in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The point is that in this world in which the devil is prince, a world in which the devil and his demons are very active, they're very busy, a world in which wicked men do the bidding of their father the devil, the child of God would not last five seconds, let alone five minutes, if it were not for the fact that all power in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus And day by day, minute by minute and second by second, he is building his church and working out all things for the good of his church. And as has been seen throughout this psalm, God is a refuge and a fortress to his people. With that in mind, we read in verse 11 that he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And that's in line with Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, which speaks of the angels being ministering spirits and being sent forth to ministers for them who shall be heirs of salvation, the church. Of that verse, Gill said, the ministry of angels to and for them, the church, lies in things temporal and spiritual, or what concern both their bodies and their souls in things temporal in which they have often been assisting as in providing food for their bodies, in curing their diseases, in directing and preserving them in journeys, in saving and delivering them from outward calamities, in restraining things hurtful from hurting them and in destroying their enemies in things spiritual, as in making known the mind and will of God to them, in comforting them and suggesting good things to them, and in helping and assisting them against Satan's temptations. And they are present with their departing souls at death, and carry them to heaven, and will gather the elect together at the last day. This is the ministering spirits, the the angels, that go to and fro from heaven to earth, ministering to those who are the heirs and indeed joint heirs with Christ 
of a heavenly inheritance. A wonderful example of how the Lord sends his angels as ministering spirits into the world for the benefit of his saints can be found in the Old Testament in an account in 2 Kings chapter 6 of the prophet Elisha's servant rising early and going outside only to see that the city was surrounded by an army that the king of Syria had sent to capture Elisha. The servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw and beheld the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. In other words, the Lord had sent the heavenly host. I don't suppose any of us who belong to Jesus even begin to appreciate the level of activity, both demonic and also the ministering spirits. Those who bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. In other words, protecting us from physical and spiritual harm, lest we fall into sin or into any other calamity or distress. Satan applied verses 11 and 12 to the Lord Jesus Christ when he set him on a pinnacle of the temple And Satan said to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. However, the commentator William Plummer pointed out that Even if this psalm is a prophecy of the Redeemer, Satan's use of these words was tempting him to act presumptuously and to sin. And needless to say that the sinless saviour did not cast himself down. Instead, he said to the devil, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verses 14 through to 16. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my way. Can you see in these last three verses, the one who's speaking now is God himself because he have set his love upon me therefore will I deliver him I will set him on high because he have known my name the unregenerate condition of sinful man is one of hating the Lord Jesus Christ and not loving him as Jesus who is the light of the world said And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and the men love darkness 
rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Therefore, be in no doubt that if you love Jesus, if you love the Lord, you do so by the grace of God who saved you. That's why you love the Lord, because he has saved you by his grace. Dear Christian, understand clearly that you love God because he first loved you. With that said, what can be seen in the last three verses of Psalm 91 are some wonderful promises of God to you who by his grace love him. The Lord will deliver you, dear Christian. You have already been delivered from the penalty of sin by the Lord Jesus Christ, who took upon himself the curse of the law and who sacrificially laid down his life for you, bearing away your sins. Also, as has already been considered, God continually keeps and delivers his loved ones from evil, including their own sinful flesh. Day by day, all of you who have been delivered from the penalty of sin are being delivered from the power of sin. And finally, in God's good and perfect time, when you die, when your faith is replaced by sight, you will be delivered from the very presence of sin. Something that we Christians must surely look forward to for all the right reasons. The Lord will set you on high. Even now, dear Christian, the Lord has delivered your soul from destruction. He has brought you up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He has set your feet upon a rock whose name is Jesus. And he has established your goings. When you die, your soul will be taken up to be with him in heavenly glory. And what a day that will be when your saviour you will see. When you look upon his face, the one who saved you by his grace. The Lord have known your name. Dear Christian, your name was graven upon the palms of his nail-pierced hands and your name is written in heaven where he now is and where he ever liveth to make intercession for you. With long life the Lord will satisfy you. You can be sure that you will abide in this world for however long the Lord has allocated to you and nothing can thwart that decree. Beyond that, the salvation of the Lord extends way beyond the boundary of an earthly existence. And even now, you already have everlasting life and you will never perish. I shall finish by returning to a promise that I skipped. You shall call upon the Lord and he will answer you and uh, he will answer you and be with you in trouble. That speaks of you communicating with God in prayer. And that presents a very big problem for anyone in here who does not dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It is a problem that has eternal consequences because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That refers to all of you who have not received Jesus as your saviour, who have not believed in his name. The Lord is not your refuge. In fact, the Lord is against you.
Therefore, repent and believe the gospel. Believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was wounded for your transgressions. Having lived a sinlessly perfect life on your behalf. And be safe in the hand of the risen Saviour. And in the hand of a loving Heavenly Father. Now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. Amen.